Welcome into Locked On Knicks. We got a Friday edition for you guys prior to the game against the Grizzlies tonight. And Gavin, there was some unfortunate news to come out today and also a lot of really interesting Knicks tidbits from Hoops Hype Michael Scotto's Hoops Hype podcast. Yeah, we talk Cam Reddish's uh, tragic season-ending injury. We get into the potential of Mitchell Robinson's next contract. Uh, some notes on Julius Randle, Kemba Walker, Evan Fournier. A whole lot of fun stuff coming up right now on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes. Right now. Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. We want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day. And uh, whether you're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform or on YouTube, checking out our smiling faces every day, particularly lately with this nice little win streak. It's been a lot more fun to cover the team lately. Uh, we appreciate you guys and, and you know, sticking with us all the time and always, always coming here for your Knicks news every day. And speaking of Knicks news, there's a lot. Today, Gavin, a lot came out in one single, uh, actually, I will say, really nice uh, hoops hype, I guess, transcribes their podcast, which is pretty dope. Uh, it made it a lot easier to get all the info we needed out of this podcast here between Mike Scotto and Stefan Bondi of the Daily News. Oh, I didn't even I didn't even introduce us, whatever. I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Nick's site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. He is Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. I'm so excited about the news. I forgot to tell the people who we are. Anyway, first news of the day, though, before we get into that podcast, came from Woj, who narrowly edged out the uh, Knicks PR account on Twitter, that Cam Reddish, uh, unfortunately, after the other day, he was trying to make a hustle play, hit the deck really hard, and uh, came up, didn't look too good, had a right shoulder separation, unfortunately. So Woj reported that he's uh, he's going to miss the rest of the season. But the recovery is about six weeks, and he should be uh, back on his feet for all, you know, off-season workouts and be completely ready to go by next season with no issues. So that stinks. We were sort of fearing that, um, and that sort of leaves us now at a point where you know Reddish's season is over, and unfortunately, our evaluation period for Cam Reddish and the Knicks' evaluation period is now also over. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a bummer. So, I mean, I, I don't know about you, Alex, but when I reflect back on this season for Cam Reddish, I'm going to look at it as kind of a, like an incomplete, I think has to be if, if you're grading it right, because he, he just wasn't part of the rotation when he first came in. And these last, I mean, the real tragedy here is these last two, three games are really when he was rounding into form. And we, we talked about all those flashes we saw from him. They were starting to become something a little more substantial. We were seeing the outlines of a really useful player. And I think RJ's ascension really put who Cam could be 
in context. I mean, like, I, I don't want to use a, a Jordan Pippen analogy because that's that's a little far reaching for uh, one guy who is 21 and just now uh, sort of living up to the hype and another guy who has been uh, highly inconsistent for the entirety of his career. But I, I really do see Cam as a very complimentary second banana to RJ with his potential defensively, with his length and his instincts jumping passing lanes. Um, the fact that I think he does have a chance to be an elite shooter. And remember, this was a guy who shot 26% from three last year, right? It was, it was very much a question who he was going to be as a shooter this season. Over 90% from the foul line. I think that's the best indicator. Those three-point shooting dropped off as a nick. On a higher volume with the Hawks when he was actually allowed to play and get in rhythm, he was at 40%. He finishes the season at 38%. Um, we've seen the ability for him to attack closeouts. I think his um, his inclinations in terms of how he wants to play, there was still the one or two just like ISO hero ball, like I'm going to be a star, screw all of you, bad shots a game. But overall, I think he he wanted to incorporate himself into this team and he wanted to play the right way. And he wanted to play in a way that made uh, Papa Tibbs happy. Um, wow, I just, just pulled that one out. Um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully that will not be a variable uh, a year from now. Um, but I, I think all the signs were, to me at least, trending very much in the right direction. And I'm fascinated what you think on this. Is, is there a scenario where the Knicks kind of push to get an extension done this summer and say, hey, we see the outlines of what this guy can be. And this is sort of the, the chance to get him on, again, not a fair analogy for someone who hasn't had a lot of success in the NBA, but like the Steph Curry contract that like three, four years down the road looks like, oh, wow, that is a massive, massive steal. Or do you think it's more realistic both parties say, hey, we need more data. You need more data. Let's table this for you. I think it's going to be the, unfortunately, the latter. Um, you know, I mean, his last nine games prior to the game where he got hurt, uh, he was, I mean, to your point, things were looking better. Like in just under 17 minutes a game, he was shooting 48% on five field goal attempts, was struggling a little bit from three at 32%, but 86% from the free throw line on two free throw attempts or two and a half free throw attempts a game, uh, averaging a steal per game in those 7.7 points. I mean, Pretty solid averages for a guy only getting like 15 minutes. Um, but, you know, that said, it's just it's too small of a sample. You know, the, those like nine. He only I think he only played in like 14 games or something. And, you know, those nine games were the best stretch. But like you can't give someone a contract based off nine games. And it's not like the Hawks stuff didn't exist at all. But you want to sort of see him in the context of what your team is going to look like. You know what he's going to look like with R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle and Emmanuel Quickly and all those guys. And I think that nine-game sample, more so than anything statistically related, did show us, like, he's a really good, versatile player that is switchy and, you know, it can sort of play, like, the three or the four, you know, depending on what the lineup calls for. I would assume that he can probably guard, like, twos and stuff, too. I don't think we saw too much of that. But, you know, he's he's got the quickness and the length and everything to sort of deal with most players on the court, which is nice. Um but that said, like, I think there's two variables at play with this, like, potential contract extension for him. Like, one is the Knicks don't have enough to reasonably say we're going to give you a big contract um, or anything close to big, you know. Uh, and then the other side of that is if the Knicks offer him something too small, I mean, I think that Reddish and his agent would balk at that and would – get insulted potentially. And I certainly don't think that's what you want to do. You don't want to like burn the bridge before he even starts his final year of his, of his rookie deal when you could just sort of let the rookie deal play out and say, look, you know, we'll let you bet on yourself this year. We want to get a better look at you. Let's revisit this. You know, when you hit restricted free agency next year, then there's no bad blood. There's all the incentive in the world for him to improve and, you know, do his thing. 
and they're not in a position where it's like, oh, you, you know, only offered us like four for four years, $40 million or something like that, which, you know, to a normal person is a lot of money, but to someone who thinks of themselves as a guy who could potentially be a star in the NBA, that's like massively underselling yourself. Um, you know, so I, I just think that's where we're headed. I think, unfortunately, with the remaining 18 games, had he been able to play those, I think we maybe could have gotten a good enough look at, you know, Cam to make start maybe making a, a reasonable assessment of like, okay, would it be worth giving this guy like a contract extension where he makes like $14, 15000000 million a year? Um, you know, would that be too big of a risk or are the skills that good where you say like, yeah, we're willing to take this chance. Um, now I, I don't think that's going to come into play. I just think that, I, you know, they're just going to say, look, like things didn't work out. Tibbs didn't play you at first. And, you know, that that's another thing that really becomes more frustrating here is the Tibbs didn't play him earlier because if this, let's just say that this injury was an inevitability all along, you know, he could have potentially played in six, seven, eight, nine more games, however many more after he came back from his ankle injury. And, uh, you know, the Knicks could have gotten a better look at him than what they ended up getting. But yeah, I, I don't think he's going to come to a contract extension prior to next year. I do think the RJ Barrett probably will and break the Charlie Ward curse. I think Mitchell Robinson might walk away from this summer with a new contract because he's an unrestricted free agent. But Cam Reddish, I think, is going to be one guy where both sides are probably going to agree that it's better to just wait till next summer. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I mean, there's a world where Quint- Quentin Grimes never gets hurt and Reddish, like, Barely, barely, barely plays um, before this injury. But um, I'm, I'm 100% with you. I think if there's one thing we've learned about this Knicks front office over the last couple of years is that their greatest priority is flexibility. And uh, I think waiting on Reddish is is exactly that move, right? It's, it's If you want to make a star trade down the road, um, you, you know you don't have that money on the books or if you need to fit him in, like around some star that you hypothetically add, um, you can plan his contract accordingly instead of giving him that money. Now, I guess the one downside is like, again, if he if he does really, really break out next year, obviously, one, you're missing out on getting him on a good deal Two, he would be theoretically a fantastic asset if you get him on a favorable deal. And you're like, oh, wait, this is a guy who is going to be a plus starter in the NBA and he's only making 13 million dollars a year. But I think that's sort of a moot point. I don't think we'll look back on this with any regret because Cam has made it so clear that he has aspirations of being a star. And when you have aspirations of being a star, you have aspirations of getting paid like a star. So I just, I'm I'm 100% with you. I just don't think there's any world where where the two sides will see eye to eye. And instead of making it acrimonious, they can just both say like, all right, like you you have a year to prove it. You think you're going to be able to do it. Um, You're going to probably be playing under a coach more willing to give you an honest chance and hopefully the Knicks, whatever they have to do to do, whether it's moving off Alec Burks or Evan Fournier, hopefully they clear up some minutes there. Um, I, I think it's, I think it's, it's a scenario that's in some, in some ways very clear. Like it, it's best for all parties to just sit and wait, just like Alex, it's always best for all parties to drink athletic greens, uh, our newest sponsor on locked on Knicks. Um, it, it's a product that I use every day. I started taking athletic greens because I, I was looking for, I'm a, I'm a very health conscious guy and I was looking for like something that is like a, like kind of like a pre-workout, but also like a daily dietary supplement that just didn't have a lot of like crap in it uh, to be clear. And athletic greens is the opposite of that. It's about as healthy as you can possibly get. So what is this stuff with one delicious scoop of athletic greens? You're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens, all things I love. 
to help your day start off right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, functioning, and aging. All the things. Um, again, I, I think for me personally, um, as someone who is just hyper aware of all this stuff, uh, it is is honestly the the perfect drink. Um, it's lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything while still tasting good. It costs less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Um, Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews, and it's recommended by professional athletes trusted by leading health experts such as Tim Ferriss and Michael Gervais. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with a convenient daily nutrition option, especially heading into flu and cold season. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-month supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash MBA network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash MBA network to take ownership over your health and pick the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And today's show is also brought to you by Bet Online. It's that time of year again. College basketball's tournaments are finally upon us from all the latest odds, contests, and player props. BetOnline.net is the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. Perhaps you're like me and you're just circling the games with all the best draft prospects in them. Well, maybe you could bet Wisconsin minus two over Michigan State tomorrow or today, this evening. Uh, Or maybe you want to bet Duke minus nine over Miami, Florida, while you are watching a little Paolo Banchero action and, and getting acquainted with him. So, or AJ Griffin, maybe slightly slightly more realistic for the Knicks, uh, based off where they're going to be drafting. But at any rate, you could get it all at Bet Online. Bet Online remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. Bet Online is your continued source for all your favorite sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today, or use your mobile device to learn more about the the trends and action. Bet Online, where the game starts and one, thank you guys again for making Locked On Knicks your first listen. For your next listen, be sure to check out the Locked On Now podcast. It has nightly recaps of every NBA game with analysis from our local experts. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts, and it's sort of like our own little Locked On NBA answer to Sports Center in your ears every day. Uh, all right, Gavin, we, we got some more stuff from this uh, this transcribed podcast uh, from Mike Scotto of Hoops Hype. And Stefan Bondi of the New York Daily News. They had a lot of really interesting stuff in here. It was like the biggest Knicks news dump we've had in a minute. Uh, which I guess it happens when you talk to people over podcasts. We always run into like Berman saying stuff on our show, for example. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, it's a lot easier to just kind of talk freely when you're not deliberating every word you're writing. Uh, but I figured Mitchell Robinson was probably the the most interesting player highlighted Uh other than Cam Reddish, who they also highlighted a little bit, kind of said some of the stuff that we said in the last segment about his contract expectations and stuff like that. But uh, Scotto mentioned in there that the worst case scenario for Mitchell Robinson is the non-taxpayers mid-level exception, which would be about four years for $41 million. A more realistic expectation, he said, based off talking to some execs around the league, would be 12 to $13 million a year. Um, and there's also sort of a notion out there, some speculation that Nerlens's contract uh, sort of gives Mitch some leverage, um, you know, to, to just say like, hey, look, I'm definitely better than Nerlens Noel. 
So pay me like it um, to the Knicks. And uh, Scotto also noted that an executive had told him he could see Mitch getting 15 million if it becomes a bidding war because he's an unrestricted free agent. Uh, of course, that all makes sense. Gavin, um, we've definitely talked about Mitch's contract before, but I don't think we've talked about it as recently as when he's been playing this well. Although I got to say, I'm actually sort of pleasantly surprised that his market is still, I would say, only around like 13 million a year, um, you know, potentially up to 15. But that would put the Knicks somewhere in, you know, the neighborhood of like, I think, 52 to 60 million if his contract was between 13 and 15 million over four years. And I, I don't think that's too bad at all. Um, where are you kind of standing on the Mitch situation right now? Yeah, I think I'm I'm coming around a little bit. There was a point for sure where I was a little turned off. And I still think, I mean, there's something to be said for just the inconsistency there. The fact that, I mean, he's a guy that comes up limping seemingly every single game is, is just scary to give that guy a four-year contract. And like, I mean, the worst case scenario here for the Knicks is you have him in Nerlens for the next two seasons, and well, I guess I guess the Knicks have a team option on Nerlens in the third season, but even even just Nerlens and Mitch for next season, and both those guys again are constantly in and out of the lineup, or not a hundred percent, and you just invested in, in the center combo that's that's sort of broken when you have Jericho Sims for essentially no money, and again he's he's far off from being either of those guys at this point. Like there's there's a long way to go there, but the mold is is somewhat similar. Like you you see an outline there that compares favorably. Um, to both of those two. And, and I mean, there was also talk here about them trading New Orleans Noel. I think at this point, the Knicks are going to have to attach an asset to him to do that. Um, that being said, I don't, I just think because he's just not making that much money and like there are always teams looking for rim protecting centers and we're two years removed or a year removed from New Orleans being one of the better uh, rim protecting centers in basketball. I mean, one of the best defensive centers in basketball period. Um, I think there is a world where you can get off him. And then I think it's a lot more likely you can justify paying Mitchell Robinson um, to me, a, a big factor here, and I'm curious your thoughts on this. I just like how he looks playing with the younger guys the last couple of games with, with a more free flowing offense. Um, RJ Barrett in particular, I think, again, I mean, I'm just talking about those reddish, but him making a little bit of a leap, I think is so big for Mitch. I mean, those two just have fantastic chemistry in the pick and roll. RJ's really nailed down the timing on, on those hook lobs that he likes throwing his way. And, and ultimately, that's the biggest thing for Mitch because he's never going to create his own offense. That seems pretty clear at this point. Um, how much are the guys around him going to create for him? And I think the combination of the ascension of RJ, guys like IQ and Reddish and Grimes who give you a lot of spacing, and the notion that whether it's a Jalen Brunson or someone in the draft or, or someone we're not even thinking of yet, that the Knicks will significantly upgrade the point guard position this summer, all could be really big for Mitchell Robinson and make me think that there's enough untapped potential there that even if he goes up to $15 million, certainly wouldn't break my heart to keep him around. But w- what's your take on all that, Alex? I sort of I think the RJ thing is going to play pretty big. Um, I think this might be one of the first off seasons where we start hearing about, you know, like RJ Barrett wanted Mitchell Robinson back, and so the Knicks brought him back um, because I think they should be making moves that sort of cater to what RJ wants at this point. Because this will probably also be the same summer where the Knicks commit to RJ long term on a rookie extension. Um, so I think. I think he's probably going to want Mitch back and the Knicks will do that because they'll say, look, like he's not going to command so much money that it would not be movable. Even if, like you said, if they go up to 15 million or something like that, I don't think he's going to get a Clint Capella contract or a, you know, a Jared Allen contract or something like that. Um, Just because the health has been a concern. The consistency has been a concern, that sort of thing throughout his whole career. 
so you know they they can use that and leverage and say, look, you're you're much more Robert Williams than you are, you know, Jared Allen or Clint Capella. So that's how you're going to get paid right now. You know, there's always your next contract when you're like 27 years old, when you should be in your prime anyway. You know, and and that's when he can really get that really big deal that he'll probably want at some point. Um, but yeah, I, I think that RJ loves playing with him, and I, I think that that's going to ultimately be one of the main factors that leads the Knicks to say, okay, let's do it. Let's bring him back. But also I agree with you. I like, I like how he plays with the younger guys. I really am starting to have it grow on me. This, this potential future center rotation of Mitch and Jericho Sims with hopefully under a new coach, a lot more inclination towards going small. Uh, So I hope they go for it. And, you know, I, I really hope they bring him back as long as it's not, you know, if, if he holds out for some exorbitant number, like if he wants like twenty million a season or something, I think then you can say, "All right, well, if Detroit or whoever is willing to pay you that, then I guess we're just gonna have to let you go." Uh, if you if you want to, you know, pursue that, but I don't think any team's gonna actually offer him like twenty million. So I, I think the Knicks should be able to come to a good number, and as long as it's around that like fifteen million or less number, I think I'm I'm pretty okay with it. Um, but Gavin, speaking of of good values. Uh, you know, if, if you or anybody else are looking for car parts, because obviously it's getting, well, not quite yet. It's gotten cold again, but it's about to start getting warmer. We're about to spring forward this weekend. My least favorite time of the year, uh, daylight savings going the wrong direction. Uh, so that means the spring's right around the corner. It's going to be warm outside. Perfect time to work on your car. And if you want to save some money on those car parts, the best place of course to go is rockauto.com. You know, you can go on there no matter what make or model of car you have. They're going to have the parts for your car. It's on a super easy to sort through list format on their website that makes it really easy to shop for the parts you need. And I I guarantee you they have everything. You know, they've got everything from complex repairs for your engine, small repairs like a headlight or something to literally like floor mats. If, you know, your your pet or your kid or whoever barfs on your floor mat and you need a new one. You can get that off Rock Auto, too. You get literally everything that you need for your car on the website. And the best part is that all the parts are going to be less expensive there than elsewhere. Why would you want to pay 30%, 50%, or even 100% more on the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership when you could just order them off Rock Auto and get them delivered right to your door? It's also a family business. Rock Auto has been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years, so you know you can trust them to take care of you. Make sure you have a great experience. So head to rockauto.com right now, and you can see all the parts available for your car or truck. If you decide to get something right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. All right, Gavin, so to move on uh, in our discussion here, there's, uh, again, a lot of tidbits in here. Um, we sort of touched on it already about about, you know, Nerlens being a, a trade candidate. I don't think we have to talk about that too much more. But, um, you know, I, I do think with the whole Mitch situation, it is very likely that even if Nerlens just sort of gets moved in like a zero-sum transaction where the Knicks just sort of get off his money and fully commit to Mitch and Jericho, I think there's a very good chance that ends up happening. Um, but there's a there was an interesting quote on Julius Randle, though, from Stefan Bonnie that I want to throw to you. Uh, I he, he said, well, so there's two quotes here. First, he said, I think people downplayed it that he lost two of his best friends on the team, Reggie Bullock and Alfred Payton. That might have hurt him in terms of his psyche and being able to bond and mesh with the chemistry of the team. It was so apparent last season and it just isn't there. Uh, and then 
Bonnie also noted, I'd caution that any talk of Randall getting traded at the deadline, I think there was a much to it. There might have been some calls here and there, but nothing ever got serious at all. So we certainly talked a lot about that around the trade deadline because there was a lot of buzz about Julius Randle potentially getting traded. But it sounds to me like, at least based off what Bondi is saying here, that the Knicks never really looked to move Randle that much. Uh, Is that good to you? Is that concerning to you? Do you think that they just basically need to keep their options open? Like, where do you stand on Randle right now with this info coming to light about apparently how the Knicks front office is maybe more committed to him than than we thought at this trade deadline. Yeah, first of all, r- real shocker that Alfred Payton and Reggie Bullock were his two best friends. Who who, who could have guessed that? Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah uh, no, I mean, no, I think it's I think it's a real it's a good thing that the front office like wasn't super aggressively shopping him because I, I think Bondi goes on to say in the article is like I think the Knicks were smart enough to realize like the best deal for Randall was not out there at this deadline and 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 to me that makes total sense. Like, look, if Randall had been replicating his last season. And the Knicks had been able to turn him into Tyrese Halliburton because I think that's basically what happened with the Kings. The Kings said, "All right, we could trade Halliburton for a Randall, or we could do it for Sabonis." And Sabonis was just—I mean, even even though Randall uh, kicked his ass the other night, um, in general, he's just a better player, right? And it's it's like—I mean, this season it, it wasn't that close. Last year, you could certainly make a case for for Randall over him, and I I maybe even would have done it, um, but it, it it was pretty clear. And like, if you weren't going to get someone of Halliburton's caliber, um. I mean, Fox would have been would have been interesting, and I I personally would have been in favor of the move. I mean, you're seeing how good De'Aaron Fox is now that uh, he's the sole point guard in Sacramento. But I don't I don't think that was on the table. I think the, the Kings obviously wanted to trade one of those guys, and, and they made their pick, and and that was sort of it. And, and to me, um, again, we, we're seeing it now, like with the direction the Knicks are moving and playing more youth. Like there's a cascading effect of having Emmanuel quickly on the floor more and, and RJ Barrett being better. And and all of it, I think, makes life easier for Julius Randle. Um, I, I guess the question you're asking yourself again, if you're the Knicks, do you want another year of this inconsistency of like some of the outbursts of, of again, the the notion that and, and I can't say I can't speak to this personally. I, I kind of like that him and RJ had like a nice little interaction last night, but the notion that he's maybe not fitting in great with this team. And the biggest thing to me is, is the on the court question of, all right, if he is just a 30% three point shooter and God only knows if, if that's who he is the rest of his career and you're going to pay Mitchell Robinson $15 million. Do you want that to be your front court the next few years? Because then you're, you're trapped into a not very modern NBA offense. Even if you have Quentin Grimes, Cam Reddish and RJ Barrett around those guys. So th- those are sort of all the big questions for me around Julius. Yeah, I, I'm kind of with you too. I, you know, I I do think that on the court fit, I, you know, I, I it's exactly like what you said. You know, we can read into things on the court all we want, but yeah, like personality wise, but there's no way to know. I mean, I know that like you know our pal Mark Berman has made a big point of pointing out like every single game on the road that Julius doesn't come out for player introductions, and you know, I I assume trying to sort of you know. He doesn't explicitly say, but you know that the implication there is like, hey, look, Julius isn't, you know, with the team and he's not doing introductions with them and whatever. Whereas Julius, I think, was asked about it and he said it's like it's just he takes a little time to psych himself up in the locker room now instead of, you know, coming out for introductions on the road. And so, you know, if that helps him and the team doesn't care, then who cares? But on the court, yeah, I'm with you. Like, I hope that the recent uptake in three point shooting is an indication that maybe that's coming back around for him. Uh, because he doesn't even have to shoot 40% like he did last year. 
if he can just get back to like what he did with the Pelicans, you know, like 35, 36%, and then continues this trend of going inside as much as he has, and then that's more than enough. You know, that's that's a good player. You know, 30, 35, 36% shooting big man is perfect to keep opposing teams honest. You know, that's like, that's what guys like, you know, Porzingis shoot, for example. Jokic, who has Jokic a, is at 36%. Jokic, exactly. You know, guys that have reps as good big man shooters that aren't like Cat, who's like, you know, shooting insane from three. But like, you know, other guys that are, you know, have reps as good big man shooters that draw respect shoot around 35, 36%. So all he's really got to do is just get back to there and teams will start kind of, you know, paying that same amount of attention to him again. So I think I'm all right with it. You know, I'm all right with rolling with him for a while. I just would keep my options open if I was the Knicks. I'm sure they are. If the right deal came along where you thought you were going to really profit from it and, you know, officially hand the team over to RJ and that sort of thing, then cool. Or if he could be the centerpiece, like salary-wise, along with some young players to get a bigger better star then cool for that too otherwise i i think at this point you know and, and it feels crazy to say based off where we were at like a month ago prior to the trade deadline but i think i'm all right with with keeping him at this point you know it's it, it, i think it just kind of is what it is like you know he's not perfect but he is still a good player and as long as he's bought in i, I think he can definitely offer some stuff to the knicks yeah the, um, the thing is just just very quickly a final mm-hmm. point on this like I don't think he. I don't think he hurts you next year, right? Because you mm-hmm. can you can move off him. Like um, I, unless I'm totally mistaken, like I, I don't think there's like a can't trade him by the state thing next year. Now that his extension is kicked in, so no, you can trade him. Seriously. You can trade him early. Like if it's going really bad, you can trade him early next season, and you're going to get probably the same return you'd get for him this summer, right? Like I, I don't think unless like something crazy happens on the court or off the court, and I don't, I don't really see that. Um, I, I don't think his value is going to be tanked. So why not bank on the upside that? In a better context, he can be ninety percent of who he was a season ago. Which on his contract, that, that's a good contract. Like Bondi makes this point. Like it's not, it, and you've made this point to your credit a million times. He has to play so poorly for the if relative to his talent for that to be a terrible contract. So I just think I think there's only upside in in seeing what he can be in, in a different system, presumably with better players around him and with more shooting around him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to move to another another note that was brought up by Bondi here, and this is one that I feel like we've definitely heard before, and it might have actually been from a Bondi story. Um, I yeah. think maybe Berman wrote about it too, and maybe also Begley. I think this is sort of an open secret now, yeah. but said about Tibbs uh, that he's been hearing that what's out there is that Worldwide West, uh, William Wesley, has been going around and not just saying to James Dolan, but also other people that... Tom Thibodeau is at least partially or mostly to blame for what's happening right now. Uh, Bonnie says he heard specifically that this was a couple weeks ago that Worldwide West was saying uh, Tibbs hadn't been giving the younger players a chance and that the team should be better. And then notes when you have a high-ranking executive like that talking about the coach in that way, yeah, there's cause for concern. I just so, like the idea of him riding the subway and just like screaming this at people. Yeah, just like. I mean, I always just imagined Zoom calls with him with his shirt off, blasting Empire State of Mind. You know, that's yeah. never gotten out of my head ever since. Uh, yeah. Ever since, like, he did all uh, there was that story from your own that talked about that. <laughs> yeah. He's changed the course that Tibbs is leaving New York instead of. Yeah. <laughs> Concrete jungle where Tibbs' dreams are shattered. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so. 
I, we've we've talked a couple times, even in this pod and in recent pods, about you know what Tibbs's future is. To me, it still sounds like he's probably on his way out. Would be my guess. I think the Knicks have sort of extended him the courtesy of not firing him midseason, maybe in exchange for playing the younger players and sort of falling in line with what they want right now, yeah. uh, which he which he has been for the last few games. Um, you know, to just sort of let him leave with dignity, you know, to w- maybe where if it gets to the off season, they could say they mutually parted ways or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's certainly interesting to hear that, that worldwide West, and maybe it's not interesting to hear this because he seems like the most bombastic personality the Knicks have uh, in the front office, but worldwide West, yeah, <laughs> Noted Brock Brock Collar with his, with his spreadsheets and everything. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I think, it's uh, it's interesting to see that that someone in the Knicks front office. It's such an open secret that they're basically trash talking Tibbs, but it also kind of works because I I like the idea of Tibbs not being the coach next year and having some new blood that wants to experiment more and play the kids more. Yeah, I, I think the only like the only scary thing here is is like it feels like a little like old Knicks that that's leaking out, and I think Leon Rose is sort of prided himself on on the notion like now nah, we're not we're not doing that anymore we're not operating that way anymore and this feels like a little power struggle like i'm getting like slight isaiah thomas vibes again i i don't disagree with the notion at all but i just i don't like the idea that those dynamics are really at play in the next front office and and I, i'm curious like if, if things go right usually that that's sort of a cure-all and like bad teams Conversely, almost always have that kind of stuff going on. So maybe it's an inevitability, but I'm just curious, like if the Knicks turn the corner next year and are good, like are there similar like leaks, like talking trash about certain people? Like, I I don't think there would be, but anyways, small, small concern. Yeah. Yeah. That's a fair concern. You know, I certainly don't want to go back to the Isaiah Thomas uh, dark ages. So I, I guess we'll see how things go in the future. But for this very first one, at least I'm willing to give it a pass just because yeah. it supports what I want to happen. <laughs> so therefore, it's totally fine. Um, two last quick notes. Um, Bonnie had noted that Fournier was one of the names that was kicking around before the trade deadline. The Knicks were trying to pitch a lot of people, um, a, a lot of people to trade, and, and Fournier was one of them. Um and said that for the right opportunity and price that Fournier is a guy the Knicks would move on from. Uh, also said, as far as Kemba Walker, I think he will be moved. And I, I found this to be kind of noteworthy. He's an expiring contract, so you're not attaching too much money to him. They won't get much back in terms of value, but they'll be able to move him. And both guys seem to sort of have this opinion that Kemba should be able to be moved, despite whatever concerns there are still with him. So that's actually pretty, pretty nice. To me, I kind of figured the Knicks were going to have to attach assets to Kemba to move him, even on an $8 million expiring contract, because I thought that he would just be viewed as money around the league. But it does sound like some teams might actually be willing to look at him as a player and trade for him with utility in mind, which is, I guess, a a good development here. Yeah, to me, that's not a huge shock. Because again, I think in the right role, coming off the bench on, on the right team, that especially a team that has a bunch of big wings that they can surround him with off the bench, that aren't really skilled scorers and he, and he can sort of fill in a gap. Like the Knicks just, just weren't the right team for him because they wanted, they wanted old Kemba. They wanted way too much out of him. And another team that I think has a more realistic view of who he is at this point and understands or, or, or feels like, Hey, we're okay. Pretty much counting out the regular season for him. And if he can give us a couple of moments in a playoff series, that that's enough. 
And I think unless he has another precipitous drop off on the right team in the right context, he can be a good bench guard on, on a contender or on a playoff team. Um, it's just about finding that right fit. And that's why the Knicks didn't push it at the deadline because I don't think that team is out there yet. And maybe this summer, like, I mean, it could be a Philly, it could be a Miami. Like th- there will be a team, especially in the Eastern conference, just given how many good teams there are that has a disappointing finish and say, Hey, we needed a little bit more pop off our bench. Maybe Kemba Walker is that guy and we'll talk themselves into him. As far as Evan Fournier goes to me, it's all, it's all a question of sunk cost fallacy at this point. Like, are you going to get the $70 million in value from him? Probably not. Um, that's true for a lot of NBA contracts in that tier where, where guys are getting slightly overpaid to come to a team that wasn't all that great a year before, but you can stay flat out. He's one of the best three point shooters on planet earth. He's certainly a plus offensive player. He's, bad on defense, all stuff we knew going in. And on this Knicks team, I, I think next year off the bench, he can be a big help and he can he can really elevate those units in terms of his ability to provide floor spacing. And I think particularly not having to share the floor with RJ Barrett and Julius Randle, we can see a little bit more of the isolation scoring that he has displayed throughout his career. So again, there, there's a great role out there for Fournier. It just, it, it shouldn't have to be exactly equivalent for his contract for him to be valuable on the Knicks. But if the Knicks feel like he has to give them $70 million in value, I don't think that's going to happen. And then maybe they will try to move him. Yep. I'm with you on all that. And uh, I think that concludes this news dump edition of locked on Knicks. Uh, we will be back or more specifically, I will be back with, I'm not even sure who yet, but someone maybe, or maybe just me. I don't know. To talk about the Grizzlies game later today, tomorrow, uh, for your final podcast of the week. And then we'll have some more great shows for you next week. Uh, our show covering the Nets game. I'll have some in arena perspective of what I anticipate at this point will be a uh, a Knicks takeover because I'm going with some friends to the game. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, but till next time, thank you all for listening. We will talk to you all soon. Peace out, guys.